morning, Mercy Road. How are we doing? Oh, yeah, there you go. That's great. Hey, so good to be with you all here today. Can we put our hands together? Welcome those that are joining online as well. So glad that you could join us and be with us today. And man, last weekend, we kicked off our Christmas series, Christmas Together, and we talked about God providing a family for us with Pastor Josh, and we celebrated that with the breakfast out there. Wasn't that great, the bacon and all that stuff? And can we just thank the volunteers that made that possible and our team for, yeah, just jumping in and serving. That was just such a great time, and I'm so excited to get to share with you guys today. And obviously, as you guys know, I'm a pastor, right? That's, that's what I do. And the thing that nobody tells you about being a pastor is that it is so much fun. Nobody tells you that. Nobody told me that being a pastor would be so much fun. And here's what I mean by that, that anytime you meet somebody and they find out that you're a pastor... Oh, man, you just have no idea what happens that moment after that, right? So here's a story I want to share with you guys. A few years ago, me and one of my pastor friends were up in uh, Chicago attending this leadership conference, and that's where I used to live. So I decided in our free time to take him around, show him around. This is all my spots that I used to hang out. So we show up to this one particular spot that I used to hang out at. It's this store, and we're just, you know, having a good time, looking around in there, and I guess by our conversation, the guy that was working at the store ended up picking up on the fact that we were pastors. So he approaches us and he's like, hey, are you guys, uh, are you guys in the ministry by chance? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're pastors, you know, from out of town. And it's like, oh, okay, great. And then we proceeded to like engage in this theological conversation where he's just asking all these questions and we're talking about the Bible and all these things. And then my, my buddy who's a pastor told me a long time ago that if he really wants to know what somebody is made of, he asks them one question usually, and the question is this, do you believe that aliens are real? And so he proceeds to ask this guy, and we're, we're going to change his name, we're going to call him Crazy Pete, because it's all going to make sense in a second. He asks Crazy Pete, hey, do you believe that aliens are real? And I'm not kidding, for the next like hour and a half, two hours, Crazy Pete proceeded to tell us all his crazy theories about aliens being real, them coming, and I don't remember none of that, but one story I do remember, and he's like getting you know, excited and pounding his chest and all that. One story I remember he told us was that, this is a re- real story according to Pete, this guy in the south, he's a farmer, driving in his truck one night, and this light, bright light shines above his truck, and everything in the car shuts down, and he can't get it to turn back on, and then the light goes away, and then he turns the car back on, and the, the car starts again. And Pete, I'm like, Pete, where, where are you going with this? And he goes, you know what happened? The aliens were scanning his blood from their vessel. And he had the wrong blood type. So they ended up leaving him and said, nope, that's not the one we want. They went, I mean, like crazy stuff, right? So we're talking to this guy literally for like two hours in the store. And people are clearing out at this point. And then at one point, he gets up and goes and locks the doors. And I'm like, oh, this is how it ends. I hope Shana knows that I love her, and my kids know that. They're going to grow up without a dad. And so I'm thinking in my mind, like, okay, survival Nate has kicked in. What do I got to do to make it out of here alive? And so I thought back to something that my dad told me a long time ago, which he would always say, like, hey, if you're in the jungle and you get chased by a lion or something, and you're with somebody else, trip the other guy so that you can get away. So I'm thinking, I'm going to push my buddy into Pete so I have enough time. I've got the keys in my pocket. Enough time to get to the door, get to the car, and get away. And my dad's a pastor, by the way. But just crazy, crazy theories that we ended up hearing from Pete. And the thing that's wild about that is that to Pete, he actually believed this stuff. I don't know what had happened in Pete's life, but he must have had some encounter or something where he was sold out 
on this fact that aliens are real. I mean, crazy, right? And some of you are in here right now and you actually believe this stuff and I just offended you. If that's you, um, I don't care. So anyways, <laughs> what's even crazier to me is what we're looking at last week and this week that people in the scriptures we see have a real actual encounter with God and it changes everything for them. And what's crazy to me is the truth that we are celebrating in this season that our God would take on flesh, draw near to us. And this week we're going to be looking at Mary's story from Luke chapter 1. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And Mary has this encounter that will change her forever. And so verse 26, here's what happens. In the sixth month, this is by the way, six months after we saw last week the angel Gabriel appear to Zechariah. Now six months later, he's appearing to Mary. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And that single truth, the Lord is with you, changes everything for Mary. Because the reality, what, what Gabriel is saying in that moment, that God, who for a long time was this figure that was distant to the people in that time, in the Old Testament, maybe she would have grown up hearing some stories about God working through the nation of Israel. And then you go through this 400-year period between the Old Testament and the New Testament where people just don't have that interaction with God. And now an angel shows up to her and says, hey, Mary, the Lord is with you. And the reality of our God taking on flesh, drawing near to us so that we might encounter him, actually experience his presence Mary is going to discover that, that reality, that truth changes everything because God's presence in our lives changes everything. And that's what I want to look at today. So pray with me, God, we just want to pause right now to even acknowledge your presence in this room. That God, in this season, as we are celebrating you taking on flesh, coming into our world, Emmanuel, God with us, God, that changes everything. And Father, I pray that we would just simply pause today and remember that truth that is so powerful. And God, would you speak to us as we open up your word? And God, would you remove me out of the way and just only your words would I speak this morning? And Father, would your word do what it's intended to do in each of our lives to help us to love you more, to serve you more, to walk more faithfully with you, I pray. And in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. So the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary with this one truth, the Lord is with you. God's presence is actually here in your life, and you can actually experience that, and it's so powerful. And I just love also what's happening here that he shows up to this girl by the name of Mary that we don't know anything about up to this point, and it tells us that, one, she's betrothed, meaning she's engaged to be married to Joseph. Two, she's a virgin, meaning she had never been with a man before. Three, she's from Nazareth, and Nazareth was this small city probably no bigger than a couple thousand people. It was like a working class town. And so she shows up to also a teenager, who's a teenager is what we know as well. So, she sh so Gabriel shows up to Mary, and then he calls her highly favored. And it's just so wild to me, and it's so easy to miss that. Like, why would he show up to somebody that probably didn't see herself as highly favored? I'm sure he probably says like, hey, favored one, and Mary's looking around like, is it, what, are you talking to me, Right? And Mary discovers a powerful truth here that God's presence in your life means that you are highly favored. God's presence in your life means that you are highly favored. 
Literally, the term here we see comes up only one other place in Scripture. It's in Ephesians 1, verse 6. And I just want to read that passage to you real quick from Ephesians 1. And this is verse 3 and 4. Paul is writing and he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. The whole point of Ephesians 1 is this. If you are in Christ, you are highly favored. And that what God was doing in Jesus coming into our world was that God was pouring out every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer through Jesus for every single person that places their faith in him. And so Mary here is getting a foretaste of what was to come for every single one of us. What was true about Mary being highly favored is true of every single one of us that have placed our faith in Jesus as, as our Lord and Savior. That if you are in Christ, you are highly favored. What's also so powerful about this, I think, is that before Mary ever does anything, anything, God addresses her as highly favored because there's a powerful truth in that and is this that God's favor is given, not earned. God's favor is given, it's not earned. And I just wonder if some of us need to be reminded of that truth this morning, that we are living our lives and we're doing all these things that we think we are doing for God as if somehow we can earn his favor. And God is simply saying, in the person of Jesus, through my grace, by faith, if you will accept him, then I freely give my favor. It's not something that you're going to have to work or earn that. And thank God that it is that way, because if it were just up to us, man, there is no way that we could ever, ever earn God's favor or his love for us. Because the reality is that as Romans 3.23 talks about that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we could never measure up to be holy as God is holy. So for us to earn God's favor, to be called, to be a part of his family, God himself had to come in, step in, and make a way for us through Jesus for us to experience his favor. God's favor is given. It's not earned. And Mary discovers that powerful truth in her life that the Lord is with her. God's presence changes everything for Mary. So I just wonder for some of you in here, is there maybe an area in your life right now that you are trying to earn God's favor? Maybe like, if I, if I do all these things, then maybe God is going to be pleased with me and then I can experience his blessing. Can I just encourage you that that way is the way of religion? And so many people have tried that. That's literally every other religion in the world. It's all do these things so that maybe you can earn your favor with God. And Christianity comes in and Jesus tells us this, that you don't have to work for my favor. I've already given it to you freely as a gift, only by faith. You believe it and you receive it. Can I just get an amen on that? Man, that is good stuff. And Mary just discovers that powerful truth in her life. And I just wonder if some of you just in this season, as we are celebrating God coming into our world, you just need to pause and just be reminded of that truth. God's already given you his favor. You are highly favored in Christ. And then for some of us, it's highly favored the way that you view yourself as well. Because it's so easy to begin to like look around you and see, well, this person, look at how God is working in their life and they're doing this thing. And man, you should hear so-and-so pray. Oh man, they've got a direct line to God, right? And the truth here is that in Christ, every single one of us are highly favored the same way. That what is true about Mary is true for every single one of us. And by the way, I think that's where our Catholic brothers and sisters get it wrong, is that there wasn't some special class of being highly favored that Mary has that the rest of us don't have. We are the same equal sons and daughters in Christ. We are all highly favored. And some of you need to be reminded of that today.
that you are already highly favored in Christ. So God's presence in my life means that I'm highly favored. And let's look at what happens next. That God's presence in my life reminds me that God keeps his promises. God's presence in my life is a reminder that God keeps his promises. So take a look at verse 29, what happens. But Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, which you hear come up in scripture over and over again. Do not be afraid, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means God saves. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. So this angel, imagine you're Mary, this teenage girl, working class town. This angel shows up to you, calls you highly favored. It says here that she's literally like terrified or another word would be freaked out, right? Have you been scared lately of anything? So uh, like about a week ago, uh, we're in the process of moving right now. So my mother-in-law came over to our house and she's helping us pack up some boxes and all of that. And so uh, I'm upstairs doing something in our upstairs and Shana comes running up and she's like, ew, ew, ew. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Ah, there's this bug in the downstairs bathroom and it looks so scary and gross and So I'm feeling pretty good, like macho man, I'm going to come down there and come squash this bug, right? The thing she didn't tell me was that it was one of those centipede things, you know, that has like a gazillion legs around it, gross looking animal. And she didn't tell me that this thing was the size of a horse, right? So I show up down there with some bugs where I'm like, I think I need to go get my 12 gauge to take care of this, right? I was terrified on the inside, trying to play it cool on the outside, but I was like terrified on the inside. And literally that's what Mary's feeling in this moment. She has this encounter that has her freaking out, right? And the angel just steps in and just reminds her, hey, do not be afraid. Because what God is doing in your life in this moment is keeping with his promises that he made hundreds of years ago. And by the way, God is up to something good in your life. And here's what it is. And he lays out this plan that God has been working that you see all the way back from Genesis 1 and 2 that God created in the garden, this goodness, this good place for us to live with him and experience his presence. And then through our sin, we messed it up in Genesis 3. And even in that moment, God steps in and he makes a promise that someday he would restore us to that place of experiencing his presence and his goodness. And he makes a promise later on to a king by the name of David that through his descendants, one of his descendants, God would bring this king, the Messiah that would come in, who would usher God's presence into our world and restore that which was good that sin destroyed. And so Gabriel just reminds Mary in this moment, this is what God is doing in your life. Do you realize what God is doing, that he's keeping his promises? And by the way, he's up to something good in your life. And oftentimes in our lives, when God is working in our lives and he's doing something big, at first it can really feel scary and terrifying. I can tell you from my own life that maybe uh, for the past year and a half or maybe a couple years ago, I was serving at another church and just loving what I was doing and loving the community there, loving the church that we were at and we were doing that. And then about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I just began to sense something in my heart that felt like God was beginning the process, process of uprooting us. And it was terrifying, not knowing what the future was going to hold. And so I did what I tend to do a lot of times in my life, which is instead of surrendering and trusting God, I tend to kick in on my own and just say, okay, this is it. I'm going to just go figure it out on my own. 
and months and months and months of me trying to figure it out on my own and figure out what the future was going to be. And if I feel like God's moving us on, then I need to go make it happen for myself, right? After months of doing that, a lot of pain and heartache in that process, one day I finally found myself in my car just realizing, man, I was getting nowhere with this. And I just felt God's presence meet me in the moment in my car that day. There was this overwhelming peace that I felt that got rid of all the fear that I've been feeling that was causing me to try to figure it all out on my own. And in that moment, feeling God's presence, and I just heard God clearly speak to me and say this, whatever it is that I'm doing in your life, it's going to be good, and I'm going to be the one who's going to make it happen. You don't have to go figure it out on your own. Just trust me. I am up to something good in your life. And by the way, I'm a God who keeps my promises and I've never failed you. I've never forsaken you. And I won't start now. That same afternoon, I got home and I opened up my Facebook. In my Facebook messenger, there's this message sitting there from this guy by the name of Josh Hoosman, who I'd never met before, offering me a job to come and work and be a part of Mercy Road. Is God now amazing how he works in our lives? And some of you just need to hear that because you're in that scary phase right now where God is maybe beginning to do something in your life and it feels terrifying. And you don't know what the future is going to hold. You don't know how you're going to make it. And it's even hard to sometimes discern that it's actually God who is working in your life because you're stuck in that scary phase of God leading you into the unknown. Can I just tell you this, that no matter whatever the future holds, that he holds your future and you can trust him. Amen? Amen. Whatever the future holds, he holds your future, and you can trust him. And by the way, God is up to something good in your life that someday you'll be able to look back on, as I've been able to do now, having been here for two months, and be like, this is exactly where God has me and my family for this season. God is so good, and you'll be able to look back someday once you get past the scary phase that you're in right now and say, man, God is a God who keeps his promises, and he's been up to something good in my life. Some of you just need to remember that God's presence with you is a reminder that he keeps his promises. And we go on here to look at verse 34. And if you're taking notes, write this down, that God's presence makes the impossible possible. God's presence makes the impossible possible. Take a look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, "Uh, how will this be since I'm a virgin? So her question is like a pretty practical one, because I don't know if you knew this, but like, Every baby that is born has like a human daddy and a human mommy, right? It's just like practical biology, how it works out. But she asks this practical question and hear how Gabriel answers her. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, which by the way is also a term here used in the Old Testament when talking about the relationship that Israel had with God, that God overshadowed his people, that literally they got to experience his presence. And this is what Gabriel is saying here to Mary. Hey, like God's presence, his Holy Spirit will overshadow you, will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. Son of God, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and is in the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then I just love this verse. For nothing will be impossible with God. What God is doing through Jesus is something that you and I could never do on our own because of our sin and how we've fallen short. And the standard for being in relationship with God was to be holy as he is holy. And by the way, every single one of us falls short of that standard. So God himself had to step in through this immaculate conception, 
take on human flesh to live a sinless life that we could never live and die a sinner's death in our place to make the impossible possible so that you and I can be welcomed back into the family of God. And Gabriel just tells her that what, what is happening here might be impossible to man, but it is not impossible to God. And how many of you just need to hear that today? That maybe you're facing a situation in your life that just seems impossible. Maybe it's a marriage that you feel is beyond compare. Maybe it's a child who has wandered far away from God and you just think that there's no hope for them. Maybe it's a sickness that you have in your body that you just believe there could be no healing for. And can I just remind you that nothing is impossible with God. And when God's presence steps into your life, that he can take that which was impossible and make it possible. That God's presence, guys, literally changes everything. And Mary got to experience that firsthand. Now, I'm just thinking back to, you know, the past few weeks on our staff has been, it's been a hard week. As many of you know, our children's pastor, Shalanda and James, they lost Kara, their daughter, after a year-long battle with cancer that she had. And last week on Sunday afternoon, we had the memorial service here just to celebrate Kara's life. And I just found myself in the room feeling God's presence in such a real and tangible way. And I was standing in the back and I just, Pastor Josh was up here and he was sharing this clear message of the hope of the resurrection that we have through the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he's done for us. The fact that Jesus walked out of the grave and so can we. And he was sharing that powerful message and sharing the gospel for so many people to respond to that. And I just found myself in the back of the room, just scanning the room and looking at what was happening in the moment. So many people different backgrounds, different religions represented in the room, different ages, and that every single person there got to hear the good news of the gospel that day and had an opportunity to respond to that. And I just found myself thinking, this is only possible because of God's presence right now in this situation. That what should be a heartbreaking situation, a 16-year-old whose life was cut way too short can be turned into something good and something powerful for the good of hundreds of people, if not thousands, only because of God's presence in Kara's life and in this room in that moment. And Pastor Eric on our staff, uh, he and I would talk about Kara often, and he would always say, man, you just feel God's presence when you're around that girl. And that when she walks in the room, Eric would always say this, I always sit up a little bit straighter because she is a woman of God and there's this spiritual authority that is over her life. And Eric actually got to sit down with Kara and had this interview conversation with her. And I just want to share that with you this morning for you to watch this and just to hear how God's presence is so evident and so clear all throughout Kara's life and how God's presence in her life changed everything. Take a look at this video. So we're going to start with some easy ones. Favorite movie. You can give me two if it's hard. Um, I really like... Despicable Me. <laughs> oh, come on, girl. Is it because of the Minions? I, yeah, I like Minions, but it's just a good movie overall. This is a question that Jillian had. Who's your favorite parent, mom or dad? Oh, I can't <laughs> I told her that was mean, but we had to ask. We had to ask. What I, what I want to do for the rest of my life, Kara, and ever since I found him, is get to know my king. Yeah. And he hides himself from those who are prideful and those who think they're wise. He literally won't let them have the revelation he gives to those who are humble and meek, even children. And you are in a high standing. The way the kingdom of God works, you are exalted above everyone in this room. There's an intimacy and a, a nearness that you have with King Jesus that is greater than ours. And 
I told your mom I wanted to humble myself today to ask if you'd be willing to share who he is to you. Who is this Jesus that you follow? Could you just tell us a little bit about him? Yes, he has helped me do so many things during this journey. Um, I got COVID during cancer and um, I felt fine. I felt completely fine. I didn't know. Incredible. I had COVID and somebody took the COVID test and my family had COVID and he protected me. Yeah, he did. The whole thing, all I felt was tired. And he's helped me feel safe and comfortable. My relationship with him has just grown so much wow. through this journey. That's amazing. So he's a protector. Yes. He's a fortress for you. He listens to you. And sometimes he even talks, tells, tells you something that, you know, if you listen to him, he's going to be your, your best friend. He's been your best friend a long time, hasn't he? Yes. There's so much that we take for granted of and don't thank him for. I love telling people about God. Um, back in fifth grade, my friend, she was an atheist, and um, I would sit on the, this bench that we had outside. It was a picnic table, and I would just read the Bible to her wow. every day. Wow, in fifth and, grade? Mm-hmm. And she became a Christian. What does it feel like when you feel like he's near to you, when you feel the Holy Spirit? Have you had that happen before? Yes. It feels amazing. You feel light. You, you just feel like air. It feels amazing. I heard that when you were at the hospital, you went around praying for everyone else. Yeah. Can you tell me why you did that? Because if I, if I can, you know, pray for others, even though I'm sick, that doesn't mean I can't help other people that are sick. I want to, um, I, I wish the best for everyone. I wouldn't wish what I go through to anyone. Who taught you to follow Jesus? My parents. <laughs> they did a great job. They did a great job and you were already leading people to Jesus in fifth grade. Wow. If your brothers, Caleb and Isaiah, were to get in a fight, who do you think would win now that Caleb's a black belt? <laughs> Isaiah's Oh, he still got him. He, <laughs> can, I, I, he can lock him up. Okay, good. It's good to know. I was curious. I was worried. I know Caleb's getting pretty big. He's bigger than me already, so that's great. What do you want for Christmas this year? Um. A mini fridge. Yeah? Okay. What are you going to put in the mini fridge? Like my, my, my drinks and my ice. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Anything else? Um, off to date. Yeah, that's okay. You seem to think a lot of, for other people. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Do you know how precious your time is? 
you have any idea how precious your time is? Thank you. Thank you. You want to know how that's possible? God's presence in Kara's life. That was just so evident throughout this entire past year of her battling a disease like cancer and probably knowing the outcome of that, that you get to see how God's presence was real in her life. And I just wonder for some of us, if we need to just maybe pause and just sit in that truth that we are actually celebrating the season that God has actually come, that the Lord is actually with us, that you and I can actually experience his presence in a way that changes us forever. And I just wonder if we fully surrendered our life to that truth. Because there's only one appropriate truth to that, to God actually coming into our world. If that's true and you believe that, then the only appropriate response to that is full surrender to him. And that's Mary's response. Take a look at verse 34. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That when this becomes real to you and it's no longer about just the Christmas holidays and the gifts and the parties and all these things that we do in the season, that is great, by the way. And I love all those things, but there's a more powerful, profound truth in what we are celebrating that God himself came into our world so that we might experience an actual relationship with him that changes everything. So has that truth changed you this season? Or are you maybe like me where you've grown up in the church, you've been in the church for a long time and every year you just go through the motions and we're just going to sing the songs and go along with it. Is there maybe a part of your life that this year God wants for you to fully surrender so that you would experience his presence in your life? What is it for you that God is calling you to surrender in this season, to experience more of him? Maybe it's a job situation that you're going through. Maybe it's your finances that you have a hold of. Maybe it's a relationship in your life or whatever it is that is keeping you from fully experiencing God's presence in your life. Can I just encourage you to maybe surrender that today to him so that you would experience more of him in a way that transforms you like we saw in Kara's life? And maybe for some of you, you're in here today and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. And if Jesus really did come into the world, and if he really is he who says he is, if he really did go to a cross the way that we saw him do, and he really did lay down his life the way that he did, then what are you going to do in response to that truth? We've got crazy Pete out there who's building a bunker and putting together an alien invasion plan to something that I don't even know if it's real or not. And what we know is actually real is that Jesus actually did come and he actually did do everything that we read about in the scripture. So what are you going to do in response to that truth in your life? And I just want to give you that opportunity today. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me. And first, I want to talk to maybe that person in here that you have a relationship with Jesus. And for you, God is laying on your heart something that you need to surrender, fully surrender to him today. If that's you, then I want to pray for you right now. Father, you see every single person in here and that thing in their life that maybe they want to surrender to you today. Father, I pray that you would step in and you would help them to be able to fully surrender their lives to you, to be your servants the way that Mary teaches us through the scripture that we read, that they would experience more of you and that your presence would change their lives forever. And then, Father, I also want to pray right now, maybe for that person that doesn't have a relationship with you, 
that even in this moment right now, they got to experience your presence in a real way. And Father, that you are nudging them, calling them today to come home to you so that they would find a relationship with you that would change them forever. God, I want to pray for that person right now. And if you are that person in the room right now, and you say, I really do believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he really did come into our world, I want to give you an opportunity to respond in faith this morning. If that's you, just pray something like this in your heart. God, I thank you for loving me. God, I thank you for sending your son into our world to do that which I could never do on my own. And Father, I thank you for sending your son to the cross for my sin. And God, I repent of my sin and I turn to Jesus today. And I choose Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And God, I pray that from this day forward, you would do whatever it is that you want to do in and through me. And let me pray over you right now. Father, you saw those that pray in this moment and those that committed their lives to you. And I pray that you would honor those, pre those that prayed right now, honor that prayer. Father, and I just want to pray as your word says that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I want to pray that over them right now. Would you make them new? Father, would you break them free of any sins in their lives or any addictions or habits or hang-ups that might be holding them bondage today? Would the blood of Jesus completely cleanse them from all sin and unrighteousness? Would they experience the life that you sent your son for us to experience this day, even as we, pre as we speak right now? Father, would you make them new? Would you restore them, I pray? Would you help them to live the life that you have for them? And God, we just thank you, all of us together, for what you've done for us in sending Jesus to draw near to us so that we might experience your presence that changes everything. Father, would we just remember that in this season? And God, we just thank you so much for who you are. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.